0: Hi there folks, I'm Brent Stafford and this is Watch by RegulatorWatch.com. As the jackboots of authoritarian government stomp across North America, it would do well for vapers to note that in at least one jurisdiction, the province of Quebec, there is life after a brutal vaping crackdown. The Quebec vaping industry is surviving after almost four years of operating under an oppressive anti-vaping regime that strips individuals of the right to speak freely and forces companies to comply with arcane regulations that routinely deliver obscene fines like $1,000 for a sticker that's out of place area. Now joining us tonight in a special episode of Reg Watch because we've got a couple of guests coming on. We have a Quebec vape shop chain store owner who's also a board member of the Canadian Vaping Association and a longtime advocate in Quebec for vapers' rights. John, say hi to us, uh, everybody, for us, and please say your last name because I possibly I cannot possibly do it myself.
1: <laughs> hey Brent, hi everybody, John Xidus. That's the right, correct pronunciation. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a real pl- pl- pleasure. So right off of the bat, uh, for our audience, we've got folks from the U.S. I know that have been tuning in. And we're going to be doing, we've got Tristan Thompson from the Vaping Legion coming on a little bit later tonight, and he's going to provide an update for us on what's going on in in uh, Massachusetts uh, with the vote there. And then we've also got some stuff in BC that you've been tracking uh, that I haven't been able to. So I'd like to ask you about that too as well. But so first off, for our viewers that don't know who you are and what the Quebec issue is, fill them in on that.
1: Well, uh, I, I was smoking for 25 years. And uh, one day someone showed me an electronic cigarette back in 2015 and I switched uh, to electronic cigarettes completely within three or four months. So from that point on, to me, it was clear I wanted to change and pivot into a new role. Uh, we opened up our first vape shop in 2015, uh, a couple of months before the laws changed in Quebec. And uh, I've been ever since then, I've been working, advocating, trying to make sure that um we don't see vaping just disappear. So uh, one of the things, uh, for example, that we uh, have done is uh, the court case in Quebec, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. And so um, that's basically it. As of recently, on the 27th of September is when I joined the uh, as a board member of the CVA. And it, it seemed like a good time for me to join them and to help them in, with the different efforts they're leading across the country.
0: So, all right, so let's walk people through a little bit about what has been happening in Quebec. Because it's, it's strange that this one province, now it's been four years that you've been living under this, and it is was draconian, it is still draconian. It, I mean, you can describe it basically as all of the other bans that are out there uh, that people are facing today, except for the ban on flavors. But outside of that, you know, you, the things you can't say... The, the level of enforcement uh, and harassment that happens, um, the constraints on, on how you can display product, how you can detail it to the customer. I mean, there isn't any aspect of the vaping you know, business, the whole milieu of vaping that isn't tightly controlled by the Quebec provincial government.
1: Absolutely. And in fact, they even they have a clause in the existing law. They got ready. So if they want to ban flavors, there's a clause already in Bill 44 ever since 2015 so that they, they reserve the right to take it out if they notice that vaping leads to a larger amount of people who are smoking. But I think a lot of people probably don't even know what kind of restrictions came in and how they came in. If, uh, if we reminisce back in 2015 in November, there was a vape expo, the very first vape expo out of Quebec. Everybody was... Really pleased to, of course, attend the Vape Expo, if you remember those days. Uh, vape Expos were a perfect opportunity for people to go in and find out what vaping was all about. Back in those days, you, many people didn't know what it was all about. And during that Vape Expo when we got the news that the government was going to drop Bill 44. Uh, that bill had an immediate effect, so it came into force immediately. In fact, in the in the vape shop, in the vape expo, everybody was wondering if we were going to get tickets for vaping inside the uh, the expo because it was technically illegal. And what we found out on that night, uh, the the things that they instituted and the um, restrictions and bear with me for a second as I go through them because I think it's important for everybody to know to what extent we were restricted. First, there were no there was no health claims. So we weren't allowed to say that, for example, it's 90 percent healthier over here since 2015. No testimonials. So I can't tell my customers, for example, that I don't live with asthma anymore. In fact, it's been over three years that I haven't touched my asthma pump and I was touching that asthma pump up until uh, I, I quit uh, four years ago. Uh, there's no signage. The only signage you can ha- have is a four foot rectangular shaped panel that has a white background and black text uh, no sales under ten dollars before tax all sales must be done in person inside the vape shop which basically means that those online sales are now illegal so uh, although you know there's no border control right so right. obviously quebecers continue to buy online from the rest of canada while the quebec businesses are penalized and uh, the things that we were allowed to say was the shop name, uh, the store hours, the business hours, and that we sell articles for vaping. Uh, They even went out of their way to ban specific words. So cigarettes, electronic cigarette, if your logo had uh, someone vaping on it, you had to take that out. So all of that, loyalty programs were prohibited, two-for-ones, anything that encouraged a person to buy more than one or encouraged them to buy more was not allowed, Uh, and it is only permitted to display your products if you're hidden from view, if all the products are hidden from outside. So we went and we plastered those windows and make sure no one can come inside. And if you plan on opening up a vape shop, you got to register with the minister so that they can make sure that they enforce these rules and come and visit you every once in a while. So that was the extent. And one of the biggest things that, that really drives me crazy and try to picture yourself, no relative risk comparisons. So a customer, a smoker, comes into my store and says, hey, I heard about this vaping thing. Is it safer than smoking? Can't answer it. End of story. I can't say nothing. Can't even demonstrate how the product is used. So I might go through the whole process, find the right nicotine strength, and wonder if I'm breaking any rules in the process. And then when I sh- set it up for him, I'm technically not allowed.
0: When so fr- it's... Please we'll continue. Okay, Go well, ahead. I wanted to ask you, and let's zero in a bit here on the enforcement, because when this first happened, they real there was a lot of concern, and RegWatch reported on this issue, you know, right from the start. And I know that at the time, there was a lot of concern that the enforcement officers were going to be, um, what's the right word, monitoring social media channels, you know, scraping social media, you know, spying on social media there was quite a bit of discussion about that did that happen and and if so what were the ramifications of it as far
1: as the online uh, uh, enforcement the only thing we saw is that they eliminated the, the online shops from quebec businesses but anything else still goes on today to this day we have not seen them take action and in fact that's the social sources that's the promotion that is something that we need to take care of so no they did not attack the Facebooks and Instagrams
0: and you mentioned um, as well that there were some pretty hefty fines when we were talking earlier and I referenced that $8,000 fine fill our audience in about that so what's this sticker out of place is that serious
1: well, yeah, because to them, that's branding. You know, you can't it, like, for example, in a C-store, you can't have Du Maurier or export a brands, uh, the brand showing. So the same thing applied to vaping. And if you had a sticker of a uh, given juice brand, you got a ticket. So, you know, obviously we had a lot of stickers and some people got them, $8,000. If you have an online shop, it was upwards of $9,000. Uh, the fines were ridiculous. I mean you would sell to a miner and that fine would be less severe than the sticker on your laptop So it was completely twisted
0: That's uh, I think that's a polite term to use twisted. I mean, uh, so yeah. <laughs> Because like in Massachusetts right now, you know, the big scale Well, if you've got vaping products that are in your car If those are you know some of the banned products you could confiscate your car yeah, $8,000 fines for stickers. I mean, that's just as bad.
1: Yeah, it, it makes no sense. They uh, they adopted it from one minute to the next during the vape expo. And they said, well, we did give you guys a concession. You know, the concession is that you guys can continue existing. We're not going to shut you down. We're not going to take away your flavors. You said flavors were important. So that's the only thing we got to keep. No vaping in vape shops, no sampling. There is no samples. You can't, we even got warned, some vendors got warned that they were making the customer smell the juice and that that wasn't allowed because it was some sort of
0: sampling. So this has been four years now. What's been uh, the impact on the vaping industry and on vapors?
1: Well, at the very beginning, we saw... Businesses closed down like if you were not a, a nimble business owner and or you were probably in the outskirts in uh, Remote areas. You were one of the first ones to go so online shops Outskirts and only those that were nimble or were big enough to sustain the impact could have survived So that taken took a lot of players out of the market effectively That was the first the first very first impact that we saw and that I think that was the most significant one because uh, to be honest, um, as long as you were able to stay in business, I think most vape shops out of Quebec did relatively well. So in essence, customers knew they could see through the, you know the the regulation and see that there was something wrong with it and that it didn't make sense. So many times when customers come in, they read between the lines, they know it's a less harmful product, and so we usually have a relatively good success nonetheless.
0: So you guys just sat back quietly and said, "Okay, we'll 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 take this," or or did you do something about it?
1: No, uh, that's uh, that's the whole crux of the thing. We uh, we issued a legal challenge in Quebec, um, and throughout this whole the last four years, we've been going through the legal challenge. Uh, we got a very historic victory. In fact, this Quebec legal case. Uh, Many times I refer to it as the vaping industry's insurance policy in a kind of way, because if we do end up seeing flavor bans or any kind of ban that restricts access to a point where health is affected, uh, this this Quebec legal case gives us the precedence. Because let me just read to you, okay? it's. um, a a historic decision because some of the things that the court found and I'm gonna read to you a a section in the in the Judgment uh, that I translated for you guys So the the evidence that was heard for in lengthy summaries has convinced the tribunal That vaping is efficient for some in their attempt to quit smoking and get rid of this bad habit success is not guaranteed but has benefited many Another one in Section 275... The tri- John, the- just
0: for a second, I want to make sure, to, because I think uh, I've missed uh, some traffic copping here, and, that is, and I want you to continue. So in, in 2016, in the spring, so just several months after this had all happened, Uh, You guys got together with CVA. There's another group too as well in Quebec, uh, uh, AQV, is that it? I think, I believe. And you guys filed a constitutional challenge in Quebec against the provincial government. And that went to Quebec Superior Court and you spent a couple of years fighting that. There was the testimony and everything I believe was in uh, late 2018, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And then the ruling came down in spring of 2019 uh i believe in late april we did a piece on it in may so you're describing right now the ruling after about three years of a constitutional challenge and i think that's really important to understand this is not some other kind of challenge just this is vapors in quebec and in canada supported by the canadian vaping association and and money raised in canada fought the quebec provincial government in court in a constitutional challenge and vapors prevailed
1: yeah we did uh, it was the very first judgment that recognized vaping as a much less harmful alternative to smoking, and that is uh, the same way we reference the studies in the in the United uh, in the, the Royal College of Physicians. The same way we could use this case if we, uh, at the end of the day, when the whole appeal process goes through, if we manage to uh, be successful, it will be a precedent-setting case for everyone that, to be able to use
0: obvious? sorry, excuse me, I was having a vape there, which I turned off, <laughs> uh, but hold on for a sec. Woo-hoo! Um, which obviously is the big deal here, because I wanted to make sure our audience, especially the ones that are dealing with all of this stuff in the U.S., and there's a lot of provinces in Canada, too, right now that are under the gun, and, you know, people just don't know that, you know, here's this, you know, first world jurisdiction. I'm I'm joking a little bit, of course, I mean, it's Western country, right? It's Quebec, you're its own sovereign nation, aren't you? Anyhow, yeah. I'm just having a little, <laughs> yeah. little bit of a joke. There's, I, you know, but honestly, though, part of it is that Quebec is isolated in terms of, you know, its language, you know, it's French, not English, and mm-hmm. you are separate, but not. And um, things are a bit different. So somehow, somewhere along the way, that, oh, well, and also to your common law, uh, your civil law, excuse me, not common law. And we're common law. So there's even actually a legal system difference. So, I, you know, I think a bunch of that altogether, you know, has created not a lot of, you know, looking at what happened in Quebec and 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 using it as a source of some satisfaction and some uh, armor. It's probably Exi- some, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. What? So, yeah. So, is, do you think all of those reasons uh, are enough that we, you know, shouldn't be looking at Quebec or make the argument about why this ruling is so important?
1: No, it's extremely important. And one of the one of the things that we need to realize is that we're now in the appeal process. It takes money for us to go through the appeal process. At first, when we did our funding, um, I believe it was two thousand eighteen, we only funded the 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 legal case. So now, if we truly want to keep this in our back pocket as an extra tool at our disposal, we're going to need to come up with uh, the money to follow through in this appeal process and see its end. Uh, So basically that's a a call out that I'd like to do to the industry, because a lot of things have changed and we need to make sure that we secure that funding.
0: So why don't you continue uh, going back to what the ruling was and giving us the highlights there. And then we'll talk a bit more about whether, you know, how it can maybe help.
1: Yeah. So some of the things that we won in the in the court case was, one, the right to sample, the right to vape in a vape shop. Uh, the judge also said that because we had to hide our windows, it made the place look like a kind of a safe injection site or gave it a bad appearance. And uh, so the other thing that we won is to remove those uh, restrictions, those Those uh, things we put on our windows to hide the products. Uh, We also gained the right to show them how to operate and use vaping devices. And uh, and the uh, right to market to smokers. Because one of the things they recognize is that although the laws did a lot of good stuff to protect youth, it didn't do enough to inform smokers of the less harmful alternative.
0: So the real sense that came out of this was that vaping is uh, you know is less harmful than smoking that actually comes out in the ruling.
1: Yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to read some and you mentioned before right not everyone speaks French. The ruling is only in French and so that's why I went out of my way to translate and uh, if you because uh, uh, many people want to hear it right they want to hear what did they say? So one of them was uh, that in this sense, vaping contributes to tobacco cessation and can help combat the negative effects of smoking. This is in the ruling. Uh, Questions come up about the safety and long-term use, but it is clearly better to vape than to smoke, even though the addiction remains. As for non-smokers, the best option is to abstain from vaping products and tobacco, and all experts agreed on this entire point. So that's in the ruling. That's amazing.
0: That is amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: The heck did, I mean, so how did that happen? How, how, what forces and arguments were put together that got this judge to get to this point? Because, well, maybe let me ask you this what did the province of Quebec argue uh, uh, to try to get their point across?
1: Well, I I have to say I wasn't in the court um, in the court proceedings. I know my sister has uh, testified, my partner for for the vape shops, um, but I do know Audrey Bochter. She's a very strong lawyer. Uh, she, some of the files that she has handled include a precedent-setting case in 2004 before the Court of Appeal, where. Um, that permitted the legalization of gay marriage in Quebec. The, we were the third province. So she's very strong to fight for constitutional rights. Uh, and some, uh, I know that some of the arguments are just the ones that we hear every day, right? That people have quit, successfully quit smoking through vaping. That people feel better after they quit and they successfully transition to vaping. So the judge heard all of that. He heard expert witness from uh, uh, Dr. Rastigi. Uh, I think also Mark Tyndall was there. So we had a lot of people to back up our claims, scientists, uh, doctors, uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, the reports, roll calls of physicians. So it, in fact, wasn't that difficult, I think, from the appearance, since I wasn't there myself. Uh, but it seems like, uh, you know, science and evidence was enough to convince the court.
0: Yeah, well, that's killer news. So is there, has there been any discussion in terms of well, walk me through the appeal. So, of course, the government has appealed this.
1: Yes, they have appealed it. We've been in the appeal process. Uh, we had to wait for the AG who is submitting his, uh, his memoir for the appeal. Uh, on the 4th of November, our Audrey uh, went back to uh, the appeal courts and the attorney general tried to resubmit new evidence and as we all know uh, or maybe we don't uh, that during appeal process it's not usually the place to submit new evidence so we obviously objected and we won uh, the the one thing back to me from our lawyers that the government was dumbfounded they thought they had a slam dunk they thought they were going to get this pulmonary illness data and back up their case but they didn't the only thing they managed to get was the World Health Organization report i think of 2019 2018 which was already submitted in court so they actually didn't win much and it's not looking very good for them
0: so they were trying they were trying to get the lung illness in there right
1: yep yeah
0: that's that's dirty
1: ball game it is and it wouldn't have worked in their favor i think if it would have gotten approved with the evidence we're seeing now it's just going to get shot down once again it's going to bolster our case
0: yeah, so I, I'm curious. I, so I'm just reading uh, some of our chats here on YouTube, and apparently, sadly, that uh, the bill passed in mass. So Massachusetts has fallen. Oh, no. Yeah, that is quite too bad. Um, you know, and obviously good news coming out of uh, out of the White House on Monday. And, you know, you can jump, you know, it's a battle won. You can't say that reversing the president, uh, even if it's temporary, which I think it's actually more than temporary, once he's awoken on the issue here that he has, uh, he's not going back, I don't think. I, I, you know, I'd put money on that. But, you know, as I wrote in that column, in my in that feature article I wrote on Monday, um, you know, they're hysteric. They're hysterical, not in the regular hysterics, but in the fact that, when it comes to the U.S., and, of course, this battle impacts everywhere, um, is the fact that the progressives know that um, without having a dire public health emergency, like death, attached to vaping in order to shift the risk narrative, right, it would be impossible for the FDA to just, you know, enforce the PMTA down there and shut down all those businesses and, and wipe out the entire e-juice manufacturing industry, just like that. I mean, there's just no way. So they really, they absolutely needed the death uh, to make that happen. And it came, I mean, it came too soon, because I mean, say what you want about progressives, unless you're in wartime or whatever, they can't extend the destruction and death of innocents for more than a couple of months. They've done a pretty good job though. So what happens after Trump, you know, pulls out of the ban you get the american medical association doing a resolution calling for an immediate withdrawal of all e-cigarette products all of them off the market immediately these are the doctors in the united states they've lost their mind
1: it makes absolutely no sense uh, we all know that it's uh, and they've tried over and over again right uh, they've tried uh so many times we have popcorn lung exploding batteries we have uh, uh, no proof no long-term studies but it's we're getting attacked uh, constantly and i could only hope that now that the truth is starting to come out that things will change and that we put all our efforts you know um, one of the things that the industry here in Canada, and I'm pretty sure in the States as well, they asked for a PR campaign, right? And and that's exactly what we're doing. I don't know if you've seen some of the work that's been going on, but we've secured quite a bit of interviews. And I think that's what we need to do is get the word out. So from CTV to uh, CBC, on Bloomberg, on BNN, Toronto Star, we published a letter uh, to Canadians that that had prescriptive solutions in it for the problems that we're seeing. So my only hope is that we start making an impact, that the sentiment slowly changes over time because perception has never been really good on vaping. We all know that. And now it's just getting worse.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what things that is, I think, a real challenge. Um, there has been a fantastic job that's been going on on the PR side. Everyone's been involved. But, you know, big kudos to CVA and the Canadian Vaping Association team because you guys went out there, um, you raised a quarter of a million dollars, pretty close. Um, and uh, got really going. Now, obviously, I'll, I'll push back on on that for a second. Right. And I think we, oh, there you are. Uh, I'll push back on it for a second and go, well, how come that wasn't happening two years ago, right? Like, even in the U.S., there's no national PR team there either. So the argument can be made that, geez, you know, could have been a little bit more prepared for it.
1: Yeah, that's true, and in hindsight, there's a lot of stuff we could do, and we're we're learning lessons from that, actually, and that one of the approaches we want to take right now is to have the funding secured for legal cases, because God only knows that once we start seeing, whether it be a flavor ban in PEI, that it sounds like they want to push that to 21 as well and ban flavors, we're going to need to fight for those flavors to keep them in the market, and if we don't have the money and we have to... Um, do fundraising campaigns before we can even put in the injunction. That delay is just unacceptable. So one of the things you guys will see is that we're going to start securing the funding in advance, and that's why we're also doing, uh, you probably heard of Daryl and Sam going across the country, not only to meet with the various governments that have signaled that they're planning on changing the rules, but they're also there to meet with membership. We've seen one of the biggest increases in membership at the CVA that I, have, that I haven't seen in the longest time for the longest time we we're talking about how many members we're losing now we're talking about how many members are we gaining and just this week i meant we managed to get eight new members out of quebec so it's uh, to me um i always see the positive when it comes to these initiatives uh, i've se- i've seen that even with our fundraising for the first campaign we exceeded the target by 80 by fifteen thousand dollars pro- practically we're going to exceed the target on this fundraising campaign as well but it doesn't mean that i'm not worried about the fact that we might not be able to continue. And that's one of the reasons I'm spreading this message out there, letting people know that it's important. You need to join, join whatever team you want, but as long as you join when you can contributing, to me, that's the most important
0: thing. So perfect segue into a question I have for you with regard to Vita. Uh, tomorrow, yeah. Daniel David, um, who's CEO, I think is the term uh, that he's got for, for the organization. He was the executive director of ECTA, so longtime advocate uh, and you know highly respected, and been right. on our show uh, before, and I'm very looking forward to having our conversation tomorrow. But obviously, you know the the elephant in the room is you know is Jewel, right, and you know big tobacco uh, brands. So right. um, so there's another association out there at the national level that essentially is representing the other side uh, of this argument. Some people believe that. If it was not for Juul uh, and say Vipe and stuff like that, the Canadian vaping industry wouldn't be in the mess that it is today. And same goes for down down south. What are your thoughts on that? Is there can blame be squarely placed there? The problems for open systems is a result of actions that have been taken in marketing and targeting by uh, by Juul.
1: Um, I wouldn't single out a specific. Person or association. I would say that it's more related to the fact that every corner store has the products. They're at plain view, at least in Ontario. In Quebec, they take a little bit of a different approach. Uh, You have like a question mark, a big colorful question mark right on the desk. And it's to prompt people, I mean, everybody, to say, what's that question mark there for? And then they position their vape device, which so, so that's targeting everybody, right? What we believe is we need to target the smokers and only the smokers. So that question mark doesn't work, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to attack anyone. It's just a diverging opinion. It's, uh,
0: it's, it's a position where... Um, so I'm showing the box right now. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that? John. Uh,
1: no, no, I can't see the box. but Oh, uh, you can't see
0: the box. Sorry. Let, no. me, uh, let me just do that. Yeah. So, yeah. well, you know it because you sent the picture. I just want to make sure people understand this because I'm not sure if you if you really nailed exactly what this is. Because correct me if I'm wrong. Not only is this you know point of sale in convenience stores in Quebec. The whole point here is that not it's not even just like get around an advertising ban. It's actually also to get around uh, communication. Like you're not even allowed to initiate. A a communication around vaping, correct? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I saw I saw an informational document. It looked like an advertisement for a heat-not-burn product, and it basically told the employee all of these advantages that would technically be illegal to say, like uh, you know, it it doesn't uh, smell as much, it's less harmful, and stuff like that. And it specifically says, "Do not show this to the customers." this is only for you to know so that you could talk about it to the people coming in.
0: So that was, and that was the other thing too, as well, back when, you know, this bill first became law was the concern about whether or not you were legally allowed to actually hand a customer in your shop, um, say the Royal College of Physicians report.
1: Oh no, you can't. That's for sure. You can't do that in Quebec.
0: Okay. No, hold Let's spend a little bit of time on that. I I want our U.S viewers to really understand that. And for the Canadian viewers that didn't realize we have no free speech at all in Canada, this yeah. is what can happen. So talk about that a little bit. You, if you, you're in your own vape shop, you've got a customer and yeah. you can't share, can you share a news story? Can you share a, can you share, what can you share?
1: I, I think you can't share anything. So anything you do, you're stepping on, 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 on risky grounds. Um, I I know that when the the Health Canada legalized it and made their statements and customers would come in, we slightly changed our approach. We started telling customers that they could search vaping Health Canada and go inform themselves (laughs) online since we weren't allowed. So talk about the irony. You're telling the customer, you can go online, you can go Google this and find the information that the government has provided you, but I can't give it to you because it's illegal to do so in Quebec.
0: I mean, that's insane it isn't so you're not you're not allowed to to inform your customer about really any attribute of the product you're selling
1: no i have a customer he walked in with emphysema he uh, was told by his doctor he should try to switch to vaping because everything else failed he comes into our vape shop and wanted to confirm that what his doctor said was true and i couldn't i couldn't tell him
0: sorry so that's insane so let's um Let's backtrack to what's going on in the States and potentially some of the provinces here, but we know what's just happened in mass. Um, So what kind of advice do you have on how to get through some of this? Cause you're four years now.
1: Well, one of the first things we did is we understood the laws. So you have to comply, you have no choice. If you don't comply, you're getting fines and the end of your existence, your shop's existence will come pretty soon. Uh, The other thing you should do is be implicated, do something, you know, Uh, I've been always implicated in uh, advocacy, in getting my opinion, at least to the right people. And uh, I mean, there's not much else you you can do other than just keep pushing and keep uh, advocating for your cause. Eventually, I believe, science and the courts uh, will vindicate us. Will it be too late? Will we lose the whole industry by the time we win? Perhaps. Maybe not, but uh, I know that we have a very strong team and I've seen the progress that CVA has been able to do. And quite frankly, I I feel, you know, I'm opening up a fourth store. So I believe that we do have a future and I'm in one of the worst places to be, right? Uh, Other than maybe the Philippines where people get arrested and thrown in jail. I guess this is the second best place to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty, I
0: don't don't really know how how to square with that. But it's important, though, that you have flavors. So that's really the key. Without that, there wouldn't be a business.
1: No, there wouldn't. I mean, how are you going to convince a smoker who's already smoking on those nasty cigarettes to move to vaping? I mean, I know a lot of people switch and they're looking for a tobacco flavor, and that's true. But the vast majority are not. And when I tell them they can have a fruit flavor or that they can have whatever flavor that uh, that, that might be something that they enjoy in real life, you got them they're coming on board they're gonna they're gonna buy that flavor and th- they'll love it so it is definitely a success factor if you only give me one flavor uh not only is my success factor largely diminished but that flavor helps to promote this most profitable product the cigarette and uh, i don't see how that could be beneficial yeah
0: no i totally hear you And I just let everybody know that I have Tristan um, standing by. He is now back uh, from doing his Tristan things. And so we're going to bring him on in a second. Before we do that, and we'll we'll try to see if I can get the technology to work while we're on the air to actually bring him on while you're still on. So we'll see. But what I want to make sure is that just in case, um, we have to cut the connection with you, John. That right. we've got that we've we've really wrapped it up, right? And then we'll move into that conversation. So we've still got a couple of minutes here, and I want to ask you uh, something. I I've been trying to get a, a handle on this. Mm. <sighs> so for those who you know are, are worldly, right? And yeah. you think of the French. You think of people that are pretty easygoing. That's the, that's the picture in your head: smoking, drinking wine, pretty liberal with sex. You know, you're the French, la vie <laughs> est right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, or Quebec, Quebec, la vie est sans mille à right? So, and certainly every French girl that I've known that's come out here to the West Coast has certainly been uh, la vie est mille à and also the <laughs> dudes, a lot of good people. So you know, my impression of Quebec is, you know, is one that is very liberal. Right. So what is it about the nature of Quebecers that are, that's so totalitarian? It's like so paternalistic that the government could do this.
1: You know, you asked me the same question the other day and I, quite frankly, I didn't know, but uh, in researching you know Audrey and the case it, it looked like even uh, gay marriage had to be fought through in, in appeals so I don't I guess we're probably wrong you know maybe it's just the facade or maybe it's just the image they portray but in actuality that's not the case we're we're not you know're we're, we're By all means, we're asking teachers to take off their veils. I mean, I don't want to get, probably don't want to get into
0: that one. But yeah, we have a lot of restrictions. Wow. So Quebec, you're saying Quebecers are way more conservative. Uh, They vote, maybe they vote liberal, but they live conservative.
1: Even in the way they manage businesses. Go to Cornwall. Cornwall is like an hour, 20 minutes away. All the distribution centers for Quebec are there. Why? they're avoiding the heavy regulations that Quebec imposes on businesses the the bilingualism which i believe bilingualism is great so i'm not trying to say it's a bad one but it's so tough and so regulated that they go right outside of ontario to operate their business so right. i think your perception of a liberal society is probably true to a certain extent but it's far from being completely true
0: right and i'm glad you brought up the language issue there because you know somebody you know who's been in broadcasting in canada for 30 years and Obviously, I've got you know, some education at a certain level, so I've got some idea of what's going on. And I've, all, I've kind of always felt that w- with regard to Quebec and this particular issue with vaping, I have to tell you, there's a bit of schadenfreude going on because, you know, this, the only people that deserve this are Quebecers because you're the ones that, you know, pull out rulers. You've got an entire regulatory apparatus of government regulatory apparatus with enforcement that goes out and takes rulers measuring letters on signs.
1: Yeah, seriously, it has to be half the size. That's true.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, you know. and,
1: and, and we don't even want you to say bonjour hi, right? It's just bonjour. It's, so everything, like uh, we should we should have a manual, how to
0: live your life in Quebec. Right, right. Well, and it is partly French, though. And a lot of people don't know this, you know, think about these kinds of things. But um, the, the Latin languages are actually controlled languages. And, you know, out of France, you know, in the Encyclopedia and the, you know, and all that kind of thing, it's like there's a, like the, the dictionary's official, you know, words that, you know, are combed over and built, whereas the English language has never been controlled and it just, you know, explodes. You know, there's hundreds and thousands of Hundreds of thousands of English words, and there's much smaller number of French words because it's 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 actually controlled language, right? Just you know. Okay, well we'll leave it at that. then. Yeah. So um, uh, let's make sure that we get an appeal out here again. Is just to hammer home that um, this appeal is happening. Uh, you guys are going to need funding again. So that'll is yeah. that CVA then that that's going to be doing that fundraising.
1: Absolutely yeah, we're gonna it, it, I'm not entirely sure what shape or form it's gonna have. It might be a global legal fund that is for all of Canada or maybe a specific one for Quebec. but for sure, in the weeks to come, we will be soliciting uh, the entire industry, not only here in Canada but worldwide. As you know, uh, in the current PR campaign, we did get some contributions from overseas, uh, which we're really thankful for. So, you know, anybody who has a vested interest in the market, whether it be in Canada or elsewhere, should seriously look at this case and contributing, even if it's just a little bit. uh, Because to be quite honest, Quebec shops, BC shops, shops all over the country, it's 25 to 50% down. And I just took a look at my own personal sales and it's continuing to go down. So if everybody else is still feeling the same kind of pressure, there won't be that much money to contribute. So that kind of scares me. And one of the things that I've been milleting for is to make sure this goes all the way to the end. And I will make sure, but part of it is making it known right here, right now with you.
0: Well, I'm really happy that you've done that, John, and you've come on. So, um, just in case we lose you, I want to thank you very much. And uh, obviously, anybody just you know, obviously you can Google some CVA. Point being is that when the when the money needs to get raised, people you're going to hear about it. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, thank you so much. It's such an important topic. So, for everyone right now, I'm just going to hit uh, our three minute. Uh, be right back, uh, and I'm going to bring Tristan on, and hopefully, maybe even have John on too, because I really want to see if you can get some interaction between you guys so uh stand by